Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. It's great to see every one of you in this main auditorium, the balcony and the risers, and a shout out welcome to the many who have joined in one of our four overflow rooms, and to our church family that are watching online, and to our many guests that have joined us from across the city of Ottawa, right across the nation of Canada, and even from around the world. Well, friends, this is our weekend. This is the weekend that Christianity is all about. And today we focus on the cross. Today we focus on Friday. It's good for us, but it was challenging for Jesus. On Easter Sunday, it is Resurrection Day, and we celebrate the fact that the grave is empty, and we celebrate the truth that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And so for a few moments this morning, on this Good Friday, I want to zero in on the final week. I want to zero in on the final week of Jesus. It began on Palm Sunday and it ended on Friday as he went to a cross and died for our sins. There is an expression, a phrase that is pasted throughout the Gospel of John. And it's mentioned many times where Jesus actually said these words, my time has not yet come. And every time Jesus said this, he was pointing towards that final week, that that time when he entered into Jerusalem on that donkey, and he walked through that final week for the Passover meal. Then he went to Golgotha, and he died on a cross for our sins. And for a few moments this morning, I want to take you to the Gospel of John. And I want you to gaze with me for a few moments each time Jesus said, my time has not yet come. The first time it's mentioned is in John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, there's a wedding, and it's in Cana. And Jesus and his mom and the disciples are invited to the wedding. It's a family wedding, and he brought his disciples, his friends, with him. And in the course of the wedding ceremony, something embarrassingly happened to the host. They, They literally ran out of wine. And I want you to look with me in John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. I want you to notice in verse number 4, these are confusing words. When Jesus responded to his mom, he said, woman, why do you involve me? I must share with you. I find it a, a little offensive to call mom woman. Until I began to realize in that culture, it was not an offensive word. It was actually a a word of endearment. And so Jesus was not speaking a word of offense. Jesus was speaking a word of honor. He said, woman, why? Why do you involve me? That confused me. It confused me because just after he said those words, he told them to put water in the empty jars, and then he turned the water into wine, his first public miracle. I think the answer is found when Jesus also said to his mom, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. You see, he's referring to two things there. First of all, he's referring to when he reveals himself as the the Messiah, as the Son of God, but ultimately it's pointing towards that final week. And I want you to see every time Jesus said, my hour has not come, it is pointing towards his final week. But there's an amazing truth. You see, that day they ran out of wine and Jesus' 
met their physical need and he turned the water into wine. But that first miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine points towards a greater miracle that happened on the cross. You see, the miracle of Cana points to the miracle on the cross. In the miracle of Cana, he turned the water into wine, but on the cross, he shed his blood. And we learn in the Passover meal that wine represented his blood. You see that the miracle of Cana was a prophetic miracle that points towards the miracle on the cross. And so when Jesus met their physical need of turning the water into wine, and he said, my time has not yet come. He was pointing prophetically to when he went to the cross and shed his blood for you and me. How many people this morning are grateful that Jesus took your place, my place, mankind's place on the cross? I said, how many people are grateful that Jesus came and died for our sins? The second time he uses that same expression, my hour or my time, it's not yet come. It's in John chapter seven in verse three and in verse six. And in John chapter seven, verse three and verse six, Jesus is invited by his disciples to go to the festival of tabernacles. He's going around in Galilee, but he didn't want to go into Judea specifically because the Jewish leaders were looking to kill him, but his time had not yet come. And we come to verse three, his brothers Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and, and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. They wanted, they wanted his, his disciples to see Jesus turning more water into wine. They wanted G them to see Jesus healing the sick and, and doing miracles. But Jesus, in verse number six, told them, watch this, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. Jesus knew if he went into Judea, it would hasten the moment. It would quicken the moment. It would make it happen before it's time. But Jesus was all about timing. Jesus was all about the perfect time of the Father. The third time it's mentioned, my time has not yet come is in verse eight of that same chapter. And Jesus in verse eight of John chapter seven said to his disciples, you, you go to the festival. You go to the festival of the tabernacles. I'm, I'm, I'm not going up to this festival because, because my time has not yet fully come. You see church now the fourth time that that this expression, my time has not yet come, is mentioned again in that same chapter. And we jump down to the, to the 30th verse of, of, of John chapter 7. And, and, and Jesus is actually teaching in the temple courts. But look at verse 30. As he's teaching in the temple courts, they, they tried to seize him. But, but no one could actually lay a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. God the Father prevented them from from hastening the moment of Jesus dying on the cross because his time had not yet come and that no one could lay their hand upon him or seize him because his hour or his time had not yet come. And, and then the fifth time that it's mentioned is in, in chapter 8, verse 20, and, and Jesus is again teaching in the temple and, 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 he, and he just finished saying, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in 
darkness, but you will have the light of life. Look at verse number 20 of John chapter 8. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Watch this. No one seized him because his hour had not yet come. The soldiers were wanting to seize Jesus. They were wanting to put him on trial. They were wanting to, to arrest him, but, but his time had not yet come, church, nothing can hinder the timing of God. No power on earth, no power of darkness can hinder the timing of God. God's timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And they could not arrest him because his hour had not yet come. The sixth time that it's mentioned is in John chapter 12, verse 23 and Verse 24, and I want to point out to you in John chapter 12, we have the record of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on a donkey. Many thought that he would come into Jerusalem on a horse as a conquering military king over the Romans. But no, he went on a, on a donkey and he's, and he's coming into Jerusalem. And, and people took the palm branches and they began to wave them. And people took off their cloaks and laid them on the ground. And, and people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. Some were cheering and others were jeering. Some were praising and others were complaining, but his hour had now come and he was entering into Jerusalem declaring himself as the Messiah. Please note with me, if you would, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus said after he entered into Jerusalem, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then in verse number 24, church, note this. This is the first moment he said, my hour has come because the final week is now the fulfillment of Jesus saying, my hour has come. And in verse 24, he gives an analogy, a farmer's analogy. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He was giving an analogy that he was going to die. He was going to be placed in the ground. But how many people are glad that death couldn't hold Jesus in the ground? I said, how many people are glad that death couldn't hold Jesus in the ground? The seventh time that you see the record about his hour and his time is in verse 27 of that same chapter. And as I read these words, it's going to sound like the moment when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? And he got on his knees and he prayed and he said to his disciples, you stay here where I go there and I'm going to pray. And you, you just pray and watch with me for a little longer. And he got on his knees and he cried out to the Father, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but, but not my will, but your will be done. And we see something similar in verse 27 of, of John chapter 12. Watch this. Now my soul is troubled, Jesus said. My soul is perplexed. You see, Jesus 
Jesus was 100% God, but 100% man. And when Jesus came to earth, God left heaven and came to earth. He didn't stop being God, but he took upon himself the form of man. He was 100% God and 100% man. He said, no, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? And he answers it, Father, save me from this hour. It's like he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Save me from this hour. And then, he, and then he responds, no, no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Everything Jesus did on earth was pointing towards Golgotha. Everything Jesus did on earth was pointing towards the cross on Calvary. Everything Jesus did was pointing pointing towards this Good Friday. Everything Jesus did was pointing towards the final week. Everything Jesus did was leading up to him dying on a cross for you and for me because he came to seek and he came to save the lost. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. It's interesting in that final week, he borrowed a donkey from someone. He had a meal that we call the Passover meal with a bunch of misfits, his disciples. He, he washed some dirty feet of his disciples. And then he went to a cross. Friends, I want you to know that this truly was nothing short of grace. That was absolutely amazing. I want to point out to you that the, that the eighth time that we have mentioned of the hour coming to fulfillment is in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 1. Please note this. It was just before the Passover festival. It was the Thursday before the Good Friday. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And he shared in that Passover meal. And then before they could eat of the meal, in that culture, they didn't wear shoes like you wear. They, they, they had no shoes on or they were wearing sandals that were open and their roads weren't paved and the roads were muddy and they didn't have cars. They had animals and, and, and you, you all know that cars emit exhaust fumes, but, fumes, but animals, something else comes from them. And the roads would be filled with that. And they'd be walking in the roads in that with their sandals that were open and their feet would be covered with that. And now they're ready for the Passover meal. And in that culture, the, the lowliest person, the, the servant who's the lowest on the totem pole would be the one that would get the towel and wash off the stink and that from the dirty feet. But the disciples were too busy bickering about who will be sitting on the right or who will be sitting on the left of Jesus. And so Jesus, I love this. He took a towel and he took a basin of water and he bent down and he began to wash the feet of these misfit disciples. He cleansed their feet. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, bent down and washed the feet. He became a servant of the servant. I don't know about you, but that moves my heart. And then he ate of a Passover meal 
with the disciples, including Judas, who would be the one who would betray him. And then he goes out into the garden and, and he's praying in the, in the Mount of Olives, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Judas had sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And they came and they arrested him. And throughout that night after the Passover into the Good Friday, Jesus went through six long, exhausting trial trials. Trial, 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 six long, exhausting trials. And the only claim that they could have against him is that he declared himself to be the son of God. And so they stripped him of his clothes and they put on him a mockery robe of a king and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they, and they spat in his face. But Jesus did not retaliate. Jesus did not say anything back because his time had come. His mission was about to be completed. He had come to die for the sins of mankind. And so they flogged him and they scourged him. And when you were scourged in that day, they would literally bend you over a pole like this. And they would get an old ancient Roman whip that had teeth in it, of, of teeth from an animal. And they would smack it on his back. 40 lashes minus one is 39. Because often if they went to the 40th lash, the person would die. And so his back is bruised and beaten for you and me. And then they gave him an ancient old cross that would weigh hundreds of pounds, church, hundreds of pounds. And he's carrying it to the hill where he's going to be executed because the penalty for, for declaring what he was was, was an execution of, 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 of death on an ancient Roman cross. And he's carrying it and he's walking towards Golgotha. And he's barely doing it. So they picked a man out of the crowd named Joseph. And they picked this, this Sir Simon of Cyrene. They picked him out of the crowd. And they asked him to carry his cross. And then he got to the top of the hill. And they laid the cross on the ground. And they nailed him to the cross. And they had a cross for one criminal and another criminal. And Jesus was nailed to a cross on a hill called Golgotha. Because his hour had come. And you see, church, when you die on a cross. It's a death of suffocation because as you're hanging on the cross, you wouldn't be able to breathe. And so you'd pull yourself up just to get some air in your lungs. And Jesus hung on that cross. And on the 12th hour, darkness began to sweep over the cross or sweep over the land. And darkness was sweeping over the land. Darkness was sweeping over the land. And Jesus was there on the cross dying for the sins of mankind. The ninth time that the hour is spoken about in the gospel of John is in John chapter 17, verse 1 and verse 4. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And then in verse four, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And the work, the mission, the purpose, the goal was for Jesus 
to go to the cross. Every one of us love Easter Sunday. It's more fun to sing about a tomb that is empty. It's more fun to sing about up from the grave he arose. It's more fun to sing that we serve a risen Savior. But in order for us to have a Jesus who came back to life, we must remind ourselves that he paid the price of going to a cross and dying for our sins. This was nothing short of grace that was amazing. The last time, that it is mentioned in the Gospel of John. The last time we see that the work is finished is John chapter 19, verse 28, down to verse 30. And Jesus is there on the cross, and the first thing he said is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then darkness began to sweep the land and he cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I pick it up in John chapter 19, verse 28, down to verse 30, because this church is nothing short of grace. That is amazing. Later knowing that everything now had been finished. The time had come. The fullness of time was now being fulfilled. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so the soldier soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and he lifted it to Jesus' lips, and Jesus sucked on that, on that, that, that vinegar, and he, he moistened his mouth so he could say one more final statement that is the completion of the words that he'd been saying all through the gospel of John, my time has not yet come. And then when he said, my time has come, before he breathed his last breath and said, into thy hands I commit my spirit, Jesus lifted his voice and shouted three amazing words. It is finished. In the Greek, it's one word, to telestai. And it simply means it is completed. It simply means what is to be accomplished has now been accomplished. And friends, may we never forget for there to be an Easter Sunday, there needs to be a Friday. And Friday is good for you and me. It's good for you and me because Jesus, the very Son of God, came to earth. And for three years, he ministered. And he kept saying, my time, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. They tried to seize him, but his time had not yet come. And finally, on Palm Sunday, he says, my time has 
now come and he entered into Jerusalem. And on that Monday, he cleared the, 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 the temple of the money changers. And, and on Thursday, he gathered with these misfit of disciples and washed their feet. And then on during the night, he went through those six trials. It was nothing short of grace that was amazing. And then he carried the cross. And then they brought him to the hill called Golgotha. And they nailed him to the cross. And from, from, from those final three hours, darkness swept over the land. And just before he uttered the final words, into thy hands I commit my spirit, he lifted his voice, friends, and he shouted the most amazing words that teach us that redemption has been completed. And he moved us from confusion and chaos to peace. He moved us from darkness to light. He said, it is finished. Come on, somebody give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. It is finished. I declare to you today, that was nothing short of grace that is absolutely amazing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Come on, why don't you stand? That you would take my place. Come on. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me.
everyone's eyes are closed whether you're seated standing here in this main auditorium or standing in one of the overflow rooms or you're at home today I want you to bow your heads and as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed my question for every single one of you hearing my voice right now is this have you asked Jesus Christ to be the center of your life have you asked him to come into your life have you asked him to forgive you of your sins if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Was there a time, was there a place, was there a moment that you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life? You see, this weekend, Easter weekend, is what Christianity is all about. Oh, Sunday, we celebrate that he was raised to life, but Good Friday, we celebrate that he died on a cross, and you're the reason why he died on a cross. He died for your sins. He paid the penalty for your sins. You couldn't pay it. Only Jesus could. He took upon himself the penalty of our sins and he died on a cross for you and for me. And Christianity is not this religion thing. It is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul said, it's by grace you are saved. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's by grace. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Main auditorium, one of the four overflows. You're at home watching today. If today was the day that you died, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? If you can't answer that question with a definite yes, I'd have no 
greater joy to lead you in a prayer today of accepting Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Savior. And if you'd like to join me in that prayer, I'm just going to invite you in a moment to repeat this prayer after me. And we love and care for you so much. We're going to join you as you pray. So would you join me in prayer today? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I make my peace with you today. I receive you in my life. Would you be the center of my life? Today I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could you open your eyes? Could you put your hands together right now and celebrate salvation? I believe on this Good Friday that there's many right here in this auditorium, many in one of the overflow rooms and many who are watching online that you invited Jesus Christ into your life. I want you to know you made the best decision of your life. And if you're on site today, in just a little bit, as you walk out, there are tables at every exit point and we got a Bible for you. And it's, it's a great, it's, a, it's the word of the Lord and a great place to start reading. It's the book that we were looking at this morning, the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And start reading the Gospel of John. We got a little booklet for you. It's a follow booklet. We have a class that is online that can help you in your new faith journey. But if you're here today or you're watching online and you're still checking out this Christianity thing and you're not ready to make that commitment yet you got lots of questions and go on our church website sign up for alpha alpha is there to help answer your questions and if you ask jesus christ in your life and you live in the ottawa area and you don't attend a life-giving church we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey but if you're from somewhere across canada or around the world get a hold of us and we're going to help you find a life-giving church in your area we want to help you with that well, friends, how many people are glad that Jesus went to a, come on, how many people are glad that Jesus went to a cross for you and for me? Amen. I want to invite you to get that, that little emblem that you received as you came in. It's, it's all prepackaged. It's COVID friendly. And you just want to peel back that top and get ready. That top part, get the wafer ready. But Jesus, in that Passover meal, on that Thursday before Friday, gathered with his disciples. And he did something that was so prophetic. He took some bread and, and he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took some, some wine and we've got some juice today. And he said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And it was symbolic. It was pointing towards what he was gonna do on that Good Friday. He was teaching his disciples that the way for the bread represents his body and the, and, the, and, and, and the wine or the juice represents his blood. And, and Paul picked it up in his letter to the church of Corinth and exhorts us when we gather to celebrate communion. So this is something we do in our church once a month, usually on the first Sunday of the month, but we always also celebrate communion on Good Friday. May these emblems be a reminder. Can I invite us? May we never forget 
may we never forget what Jesus did. And just before we partake of the emblems, by his stripes we are healed. There is salvation when Jesus went to the cross. But there's also physical healing because he went to the cross. There is healing in the atonement. And whether you're here today on site, main auditorium, balcony rises, one of the four overflow rooms, or you're watching online and you need healing, we're going to pray today that Jesus, the healer, would step in and heal you right now in the name of the Lord. Whatever your need is today, the answer is found in Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my healer. He is my baptizer. He is my deliverer. And he is my soon coming king. I want you to take the little wafer and could you hold it up? Just hold it up if you could. And moms and dads, boys and girls, adults, grandmas and grandpas, let's partake of this emblem that represents the body of Jesus. Let's partake together. Just peel back the next layer here and pull it back a little bit so you can partake in a moment of the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. If you're at home, I hope you've got some juice ready as well. I trust you had some crackers or bread ready. And this cup of juice, let's just hold it up. It represents his blood. And blood represents life. I'm going to bring it all together now. Because at the wedding of Cana, they ran out of wine. And it was an embarrassment to the host. And Mary, the mom of Jesus, says, they've got no more wine. No more wine. And Jesus did what no one else could do. He turned the water into wine. And about three years later, Jesus did what no one else could do. He shed his blood. The juice represents his blood. He did what no one else could do. He took our place on the cross. And he died for us. The miracle of Cana points to the miracle of the cross. Let's partake of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. You could put that little cup down and and I want you just to lift your hands all across this place. We're going we're gonna to worship Pastor Brad in this song again in just a moment, but I want to pray. Could you just lift your hands? Main Auditorium in the overflow, lift your hands. And we love you, wonderful friends in the overflow. God bless you. And our wonderful friends at home, just lift your hands. Father God, I, I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray, God, for everyone in this auditorium, everyone in the overflow rooms, everyone that is watching online, that Jesus, you would be the everything for everyone. God, there's people in the house, they need healing and body. We pray cancer be gone in the mighty, holy name of Jesus Christ. We pray pain be gone, headaches be gone in the name of Jesus. By your stripes, may these wonderful people be 
be healed today. Father, there are people battling anxiety and depression. Set them free in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, that you would take us out of chaos and you bring us to your peace. You would move us from your from darkness into light. And I pray, God, as we worship in this song one more time, that the heavens would open over this place right now. And you, God, would do the supernatural in this place. We love you, we praise you, and we give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Come on, put your hands together right now and give a loud, loud, come on, a loud clap offering of praise. You see, church, in order for there to be an Easter Sunday morning, there needed to be a Friday. In order for Jesus to be raised to life, he needed to die. And you're the reason that he died. But I'm glad to declare that death couldn't hold him in the ground. On the third day, up from the grave, he arose and he lives forevermore. He's the answer to your life problem. He's the answer to the city of Ottawa. He's the answer to the nation of Canada. He's the answer to the world. We give his name, we give him glory and honor and praise. His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you joined us today on Good Friday. 
I'm so glad that people gave their heart to Jesus today. Amen. And again, if you gave your heart to the Lord today, you made the best decision of your life. Drop by a table on your way out. Get a Bible. Get a booklet. Join us for the follow class. And I'm so glad for our many guests that have joined us today. Can we give just another great big welcome to all of our guests? We are honestly so glad that you've joined us. This is your first time here. We trust that you enjoyed your experience today and on your way out at an exit point, there are tables. We have a coffee cart for you for a local coffee shop, our way of saying thank you for coming. We are really pumped. We are really excited about Easter Sunday. And I know our premier made an announcement yesterday and we're in this emergency break order. And, but we could still worship on site. And we give God the glory and the honor and the praise for that. And there's some number of restrictions that, that aren't going to be devastating to us because we have such a large auditorium and a large building, and we're grateful for that. And you, you saw on the screen 9, 10, 30, 12. I, I looked on the website, 10, 30 is book solid. And uh, praise God. And there is some room left at 9 and some room left at 12, so make sure you register. And uh, we don't want you to, to not be here if you want to be here. And uh, it's going to be exciting. It is honestly Easter Sunday. That's, that's an exciting, that's our day. And I can't wait to gather with you on Easter Sunday. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you joined us online. I hope that you would join online on Easter Sunday. And I just want uh, to give a little shout out again to our wonderful friends in the overflow room. Come on, let's just thank them. They're amazing. And we have... We have one of our pastoral team members in each of the overflow room. It's an exciting experience. And last Sunday in the overflow room, people were just shouting on and clapping and, and just worshiping and, and just taking in the whole experience. It's a dynamic experience. And boys and girls, we got chocolate for all the boys and girls on Sunday. And you've got a special chocolate treat that's going to be given to you on the way out. You're not going to want to, you're not going to want to miss that. So we're excited for what God's going to do on Easter Sunday. And I am so glad that you came today. Evelyn and I love you from the bottom of our hearts. We give God the glory and the honor and the praise. Have an amazing, wonderful Easter weekend. Can't wait to see you on Sunday. And if you're coming on Sunday, you haven't registered. If I were you, I'd do it right now. And uh, we're in for a great day. God bless you. Happy Easter.